Hi everybody, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio, episode 202. Today, I'd like to speak about Daniel 9 and verse 27. What is this abomination? What is this abomination of desolation, as it says in the King James? And how do other translators render this set of words? We're going to correlate that with Matthew 24 and see if we can understand it. So here we go. This is Daniel 9:27 in the modern English version. And he shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the offering to cease. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. The Message Bible has it like this. Daniel 9.27 Then for one seven he will forge many and strong alliances. But halfway through the seven he will banish the worship and prayers. At the place of worship a desecrating obscenity will be set up and remain until finally the desecrator himself is decisively destroyed. I find that very interesting. The New American Standard Bible has it like this, Daniel 9:27, and he will confirm a covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, gushes forth on the one who makes desolate. And last but not least, Daniel 9.27 in the New English Translation. He will confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of that week, he will bring sacrifices and offerings to a halt. On the wing of abominations will come one who destroys until the decreed end is poured out on the one who destroys. Now let's flip on over to Matthew 24, verses 15 through 28 in the Message Bible. Matthew 24, 15 through 28, the monster of desecration, it's subtitled. But be ready to run for it when you see the monster of desecration set up in the temple sanctuary. The prophet Daniel described this. If you've read Daniel, you'll know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're living in Judea at that time, Run for the hills. If you're working in the yard, don't return to the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go back and get your coat. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Hope and pray this won't happen during the winter or on the Sabbath. This is going to be trouble on a scale beyond what the world has ever seen or ever will see again. If these days of trouble were left to run their course, nobody would make it. But on account of God's chosen people, the trouble will be cut short. Verse 23 through 25. 
If anyone tries to flag you down, calling out, here's the Messiah, or points over there and says, there he is, don't fall for it. Fake messiahs and lying preachers are going to pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. But I've given you fair warning, unquote. Continuing in verse 26 through 28 in the Message Bible, So if they say, Run to the country and see him arrive, or quick, get downtown, see him come, don't give them the time of day. The arrival of the Son of Man isn't something that you go to see. It comes like swift lightning to you, Whenever you see crowds gathering, think of carrion vultures circling, moving in, hovering over a rotting carcass. You can be quite sure that it's not the living Son of Man pulling in those crowds. Unquote. Here's Matthew 24, verses 15 through 29 in the ESV. Let's see how they compare. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for the women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, nor ever will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, Look, he's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Verse 29, Matthew 24, ESV. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from being shaken. Here's that same passage, Matthew 24, 15 through 29, in the NIV. So, when you see, standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. 
pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be equaled again. Verse 22 in IV, Matthew 24. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or, here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Verse 29. Immediately, after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Unquote. That's the NIV. And now the New King James Version, same Matthew twenty four fifteen through 29. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Verse 16, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or, Look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavens will be Shaken. Matthew 24, verse 15 through 29, in the King James Version. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. 
neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is the Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Verse 29, Matthew 24, King James. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Well, right after this verse is verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And lastly, I want to read this in my favorite translation, the NLT, the New Living Translation. It is a real translation and not a revised version of the Living Bible. It's not that. It's a brand new translation. Matthew 24 starting in verse 15 and going down through verse 31 in the NLT. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in a field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And in fact, it will never be so great again. Unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. It will be shortened, though, for the sake of God's chosen one. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. 
So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or, look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For, as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Verse 29, Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31, And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. I watched a very interesting YouTube video about this wing idea, the wing of abominations. Is it the wing of the temple? Is it the wing of a bird or a bat? Is it the wing of abominations as we have read? What in the world is it talking about? Maybe it's the one of the wings of the cherubim that sit atop the ark. It's hard to tell. It's really hard to define that in those terms. But I think the author of this particular video got hung up on the idea of it being a wing in the first place. It's not that way in the King James language, but it is that way in the Hebrew. It's it allows for several different ways to translate the word kanaf. K-A-N-A-P-H. Kanaf is Hebrew. It's not Greek. He said it was Greek. I'm not sure why he said that. Maybe he misspoke. I don't know. But he made the entire video about the word wing. But here's what I said in response. This word kanaf is Hebrew, not Greek, right? Please advise. He's a scholar, and maybe he just misspoke or something. I, I don't know, but I want him to clarify that. But please, let's look at the context of Matthew 24, 15 through 22 to get the point that Jesus is trying to show us here. Here, Jesus is warning the reader about this unholy act that will be the trigger event that causes World War III seems to me. It will escalate from that one event until no one is safe to stay where they are. If this is the time to panic. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. One out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack his clothes. Run, in other words, just like it said in the Message Bible. Someone out in the field must not return even to get a coat, and woe to those with child or nursing. Why? Because World War III is about to begin, and it will bring greater anguish on the entire earth than ever before has happened. And there will be no time to waste. In fact, unless those days were going to be shortened, not a single person will survive. Thank God we have a Savior who is coming to save the world. 
That's why they call him the Savior of the world. The entire point of these verses, that is, the meaning of this section of Scripture, is in the context. We don't really need to go into 99 translations of the word that some translators put in there as wing. This could be something done by the Muslims, for example, that is the last straw to the Jews and makes them push the big red button to retaliate and initiate World War III with nuclear weapons. It's the big war of all history. Don't you think this matters, in other words? Count on the darkening of the sky so thick, mentioned in Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine. the skies look like night, and in that night no man can work, according to Jesus in John 9, 4. How will we survive that way? Jesus said he would come back like lightning. Verse 27, and in those days, they would be cut short. So, without his coming in power, no one will survive. Our very lives are dependent on Christ solving this problem. So, to get hung up on the word wing and ignore the rest of the context is risky interpretation at best. Let's not let that happen. It's not letting Scripture interpret Scripture. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but every translation I have noticed pretty much says the same thing. It's about the context of Matthew 24, verse 15 through 22. Many of my listeners have heard me talk about this on several occasions, but I'd like to just explain a little bit more about this section of Scripture in Matthew 24, starting in verse 15 through 31. What is this abomination of desolation? Well, it could be a number of things, really. It could be that they sacrifice a pig in mockery on the Temple Mount or in the newly rebuilt temple. They are working on that, you know, and they've already got all the utensils. They've got all of the paraphernalia, the robes. The uh, the men are actually already schooled and become priests and ordained and all the things that need to happen. They've got all of their equipment in place, everything ready to move in to the brand new temple that the Jews are going to try to build on the Temple Mount someplace. All things are now ready, but they need a temple to put it all in. So how's that going to happen? Well, it could happen. It very well could happen, but I'm not sure it's really necessary to happen before all these things take place. But if it's so critical that they run and not wait even long enough to go find a coat and drag it with you, you know, there's no time. They need to run. They need to save their lives. And that's the way it seems to me. This idea of greater anguish at that time than any other time since the world began is downright scary for one and all. It should be for you and me as well. In fact, 
Unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, according to the NLT version. That's the way Matthew 24, verse 22 reads. But the promise is that it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. I think that's pretty wonderful that we have such a Savior powerful enough to make that happen, to stop what's going on there. We've got to understand this, this Matthew 24, verse 29 through 31. How will the sun be darkened? Why will the moon not give her light? What are these stars that are going to fall from the sky? And what about the powers of the heavens being shaken? Does that really mean that the moon will quake or that the sun will quake? Is God going to be the one to darken the sun and the moon? Will it be something surrounding the earth that will block the sunlight? And what will cause these powers in the heavens to be shaken? Well, didn't Ezekiel say that every wall will fall in an earthquake, a worldwide earthquake? Didn't he say that the earth would be shaken and that the mountains would crumble into gravel and fill up the valleys? Yes, you can read that in Ezekiel chapter 32, verses 7 through 8. And also in Isaiah 13:10 and 34, 4. And also in Joel 2, verse 2 and 10, and Revelation 9 and verse 2. Then also in Isaiah 24, verses 18 and 20. Let's just go there for a second. Isaiah 24, 18 and onwards. Those who flee in terror will fall into a trap, and those who escape the trap will be caught in a snare. Destruction falls like rain from the skies. The foundations of the earth shake. The earth has broken up. It has utterly collapsed. It is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunk. It trembles like a tin in a storm. It falls and will not rise again, at least not the same way. For the guilt of its rebellion is very heavy. In that day the Lord will punish the gods, little g, in the heavens, and the proud rulers of the nations on earth. They will be rounded up and put in prison. They will be shut up in prison and will finally be punished. Then the glory of the moon will wane and the brightness of the sun will fade. For the Lord of heaven's armies will rule on Mount Zion and he will rule with great glory in Jerusalem in the sight of all the leaders of his people." Unquote. Some people think that, no, he's going to take the, uh, the saints with him to heaven, and he's going to rule there. I talked to a gentleman and his wife this past week who said exactly that, that no, 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 he's not going to rule in Jerusalem or on the, the Mount Zion. He's going to be ruling from heaven. That's not what it says here. In verse 6 in chapter 25, it says this, In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. 
It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Unquote. Isn't that a delightful passage? There are good things to come of this. We need the earth to be purged of one thing, and that is sin and all the ramifications that follow as a result of it. And that's what he's saying here. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to the website, itellwhy.com, or jesusiswhy.com. You can read my books there. Am I saying they're perfect? No, I'm not. I'm not any better than you are or anybody else who studies the Bible or studies prophecy. We're all learning. We're all growing. And we don't get it right every time. I'm telling you, we just don't. There's a lot to it. But we see Jesus. We understand that he died for our sins and that because of him, we have a future and he will restore the earth and life on it. So keep your chin up, keep looking up, looking for Jesus when he does come. But he will come at a time when we don't expect anybody to come anymore. We will give up that idea. That's when he will come. So hang in there. Keep your love alive till the end. That's what Jesus taught us to do. Please keep doing that. And if you can email me and you have something that will correct my understanding of these passages, please send them to Jesus is Why. That's J-E-S-U-S-I-S-W-H-Y at gmail.com. And correct me. I need all the input I can get. If you have more understanding than I do on these passages and you're a scholar and you've done your homework and research, by all means, I'd love to see a copy of it. Send it to me if you would. Jesusiswhy at gmail.com So until next time, I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thanks for tuning in today.